Good morning once again and welcome to Holy Trinity. Whether you have been to church a thousand times or this is your very first time and ever at a church service, I have a feeling you could answer this question. Church services should be blank. What would you put in that blank? There are many different options, many different things. I bet you could get a different answer for every person that's in this room. Maybe you thought something kind of like this. Church services should be meditative. Maybe this is your place where you come to recharge and think about God and get yourself ready for the rest of the week. Or church services should be welcoming. I think we all agree with that, right? You know, we want to be able to feel welcomed here, and whenever anyone new comes, we want to greet them with a warm smile and make them feel right at home at Holy Trinity. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who said this one. We'll, we'll just keep going. Church services should be educational. Um, you love to be able to come to church because you can learn something new about the Bible, learn something new about God. Church services should be emotional. You love it when you get to sing your favorite song and you get goosebumps on your arm. You love it when the pastor pulls at the strings of your heart and tells that story that's just so gripping. Church services should be emotional. There are many different ways we could fill in this blank. There are many different things, many different opinions about that people have about church services. And there are many different ways that you could describe our church services here at Holy Trinity. But if you were in charge of planning our worship services, what would you want our worship services to look like? What do you think our worship services to look like today, next week, 50 years from now? What should we always have at our worship services? Today I want to give us three non-negotiables. Three non-negotiables that no matter what we're talking about at church, no matter what topic it is, whether it's today or years from now, I want to point out three different things that we that every single worship service should have at Holy Trinity. And we do this by going to the book of Nehemiah. And this is the book that we've been studying the last uh, month and a half or so. And we're kind of at a transitional point for today. So if you've never heard about Nehemiah before, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to fill you in a little bit right now. So the first uh, six chapters of Nehemiah is about a physical rebuilding. Uh, Nehemiah was a leader, and he was in charge of a building project. There were walls in Jerusalem that were torn down and burned down, and God used Nehemiah to rebuild these walls. And we heard last week about how uh, they accomplished this project in 52 days. A building project that took 52 days. It was remarkable how fast the Jewish people worked to rebuild these walls. That's what the first half of Nehemiah is about. And now we're transitioning to our second topic. In chapters 7 through 13, it's more about spiritual rebuilding. They have the walls in Jerusalem, but now God wants them to rebuild their hearts. God wants them to restore the relationship with him. Because for so many years, the Jewish people were scattered in different countries and different nations, and they weren't uh, worshiping God like they should. Uh, but now God wants to have them be spiritual rebuilding. And today, that's what we're going to look at as we look at their worship service in Jerusalem with their brand new walls. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So they're going to have this worship service, so they get Ezra. If you know the Bible, there's a book of the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah. It's the same Ezra. He's a priest, and he's going to lead the worship service um, by reading from the book of the law of Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what he's going to read to them. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. 
He read it aloud from daybreak till noon in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. So, what they do, they have this worship service, and they're going to read from the Bible. They haven't heard the Bible read to them in so long, and so they're going to read from daybreak until noon. Like six hours. So, to follow Ezra's example, I will now preach to you until three in the afternoon. How do you guys feel about that? Um, but it's a, you can just see the hunger that they have for God's word. They've been scattered, they haven't worshipped in Jerusalem in a very long time, and now they're willing to stand there and listen to hear God's word read to them. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. So even though their worship service lasted probably over six hours long, they listened attentively. They were so eager to hear God's word read. And what else is interesting is that this is the first ever occasion in the Bible where you see a pulpit, a high wooden platform built for reading God's word. Uh, maybe if you've been to like a really old church before, like when the church is like 150 years old, and you see like a really high pulpit where the pastor had to like walk upstairs to preach from it. Um, there's a simple reason why they had big pulpits like that back in the day. And the simple reason is because they didn't have microphones. And so when you have a large group of people that wanted to hear God's word, it would make sense to put a pastor up high so everyone can see him and everyone can hear him. Um, but now we have microphones, so that's why I stand over here instead. Um, but that's why they did it. And that's the same thing that was going on with Ezra. They had such a large group of people, probably thousands of people, and they wanted everyone to be able to hear and everyone to be able to see them. So they built a pulpit and they put him way high up so everyone could see and hear him. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So here uh, we see some elements that are very similar to our worship services today. You have a pastor reading from God's word, and the people stood up. Just like what I did. I said, out of respect for the words and works of Jesus, please stand. And then I read you God's word. And then you responded by singing, praise be to you, O Christ. And the people, they responded by saying, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It's neat to see some of these similar elements that we still have in our worship services today. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And I love this passage because it's probably one of my favorite things to do as a pastor. Be able to read God's word to you and then help you understand it and apply it to your life. And that's what I'm doing right now. That's basically what a sermon is, right? Where we read from God's word and then we help people um, understand, give it meaning and applying it to your life. So many similar elements between uh, Nehemiah's worship service and ours still today. There are a couple differences, a couple similarities. We aren't worshiping outside. Our church service isn't going to last six hours long. We didn't, we're not going to bow down on our faces to the ground like they did. But you can still see some of the similar elements of reading God's word, standing, responding to God's word, and hearing God's word applied to your life. So that leads to our first point for the day. If you're taking notes in your bulletin and the sermon notes, uh, church services should be centered on God's word. Because there's many different things we can focus on. There's many different things that are interchangeable. You don't have to stand to hear God's word. You don't have to kneel to hear God's word. You don't need to worship inside or outside. There's not rules for that in the Bible. But the one thing that our church services should always have is God's word. That's why we come here. The people came and they saw Ezra the priest and they said, Hey, it's great to see Ezra the priest here, 
But we're not here to see Ezra. We're here to hear God's word. And I hope that you have that same attitude. That when you come to church in the morning, the first thought you have is, I wonder who's preaching. Instead, you think to yourself, today I want to hear God's word. That's why we come here. We come here not to see the person. We come here to hear God's word. And that's what all of our worship services need to focus on. And it's just amazing to hear this story where people stood and listened to God's word for so long, six hours long. Um, and that makes us show as well that my job is to preach and your job is to listen to God's word being read. Um, up here I have a picture of a bulletin. Um, I'm in this text group with a bunch of other pastor friends that I have. And I woke up to this picture one morning. And as you can see, it's a bulletin. But if you look closely, there's some things written in the middle here. Rotisserie chicken, bacon chips, croutons, 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 preserves, peas, honey, buttery spray, and Powerade. Interesting. This is the message that came with it. Found this bulletin in the trash. Someone is using church to plan groceries and schedule their week. The good news is that I was guest preaching somewhere else, so maybe it's not my fault. The bad news is that it was, there was a Bible study sheet folded in the bulletin, so it's a regular. And this picture might lead you to ask a couple questions. You know, maybe we can assume the best and say, do you think that they possibly could have filled it out before worship service began? And why would someone write croutons on a grocery list three times? I, I'm not sure about that. But if we assume the worst, what probably happened was someone came to church with good intentions of hearing God's word being read, but then they let their mind wander and instead decided to plan their grocery list. Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you where you came to church, maybe for the right reasons, but all of a sudden you let your mind wander and all of a sudden you didn't hear anything? Or maybe you sat down at your house and you're going to have a Bible devotion, but you tried to get through it as fast as you could so you can get back to scrolling on your phone. We see the people of Nehemiah listen to God's word for six hours. And then we have to think to ourselves all the time we struggle to pay attention to God's word for 20 minutes. There once was a famous theologian named R.C. Sproul. And someone once asked him, what do you think is the biggest barrier between people and studying the Bible? And as a theologian, you might expect to have him say some answer about like, Oh, the people need to understand the context of the Bible better. You need to understand that history better. Or maybe he'll say something like, well, if they knew like this method of studying the Bible, then it would be so much easier for people to study the Bible. But instead, he said this. Here, then, is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much as because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it's work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. So what do you think about that? I think I'd have to agree. Because it's so easy to come up with excuses for not reading God's word. You could say, oh, there's a bunch of names in there I just don't understand. That, that book of the Bible, I just, I just don't get it. But we live in the information age, right? And if you don't know how to study God's word, there are resources to help you. You could text your pastor, and I would love to be able to help explain something to you if you don't get it. But so often we like to say things like that so that we just don't study God's word at all. So if you're struggling to pay attention to God's word, don't blame your boring pastor. Don't blame 
your hyperactive children. Don't blame your busy schedule. Don't blame that it's summer. The real reason why you don't study God's word is because you're lazy. And that leads to point number two. Church services should be cutting to the heart. Church services should be cutting to the heart. Every worship service should expose our sinful thoughts and actions that we have in our heart. And often, it's not enjoyable. I don't enjoy calling you lazy. I don't enjoy telling you that you are a sinful person and that you deserve God's wrath. I don't enjoy doing that. But I like to picture it like a surgeon uh, cutting out a tumor. Because when, if somebody had a tumor and they had to get it removed, it would be painful, right? There would be some bloodshed. There would be some pain and recovery. But if you let that tumor go untreated, it leads to death. And the same is true for us. We don't like to hear God's law, but we know it's something that we need to hear. Because I know it's something that I need to hear. Because so often it's easy to tell myself, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I do some good things. God must like me, right? And then we begin to rely on ourselves instead of God's grace and instead of relying on God's love. So that's why we need to hear the law. Because it's so easy for us to wander away from God's, God's love and thinking that it's something that we did ourselves. And that's what happened to the people in Nehemiah. They heard God's word read and it crushed their hearts. All the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They heard God's word read. They would have heard the story of Adam and Eve and how they brought sin into the whole world. They would have heard the story about how water filled up the lungs of an entire mankind as God flooded the earth. They would have heard the stories about the Israelites being disobedient and God punishing them by having them wander around in the desert. And then they would have heard all the laws and commands that God wants us to fulfill. And they would have seen how they weren't keeping that. They would have remembered their times in exile and how they were scattered because they didn't fulfill God's laws anymore and worshipped other gods. And when they looked at that, when they looked at their hearts, they, brought, they broke down and wept because they knew that the law crushed their hearts. They knew that they weren't fulfilling the law's demands. So they wept. But that's not the reason why we come to church. We need to hear the law. We need to have it expose the motives of our hearts. Just like as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is alive. It is the only book that can expose the thoughts and motives of your heart. And it points out your sin in your life and sees how you haven't lived up to God's commands. And when we do that, we'll have sorrow over our sin. We'll see the things that we did wrong. So yes, we need to have that sorrow over our sin. Yes, we need to hear that law. But we came here to hear the gospel. We came here to hear the good news about Jesus. And that's what Nehemiah then points out. Then Nehemiah said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve. So you know what Nehemiah's solution was to all their weeping? To go have a nice Lutheran potluck. Go enjoy some choice food and sweet drinks. 
Um, because Nehemiah had to point out to them that yes, the law makes our hearts break and that we weep over our sin. But that's not why we're here. We're here because this day is holy to the Lord. We have a reason to rejoice and celebrate. And we do as well. Just recently we celebrated Easter a couple months ago and we celebrated that our Savior is alive and He still is alive and we celebrate that. So every one of our worship services will be a celebration service because we know what Jesus has done for us. And then Nehemiah said this, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the most popular book, uh, or the most popular passage in the book of Nehemiah. If you've ever heard of anything about Nehemiah, if you know any passages from that book, my guess is you've maybe heard this one before. It's wrote the song that we sang uh, just a few moments ago. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. But I need you to understand this verse correctly because at face value, um, it kind of just sounds like a motivational quote. Be happy and God will give you strength. That's kind of what it sounds like. But there's a couple interesting things going on in the original language here in the Hebrew. And I'd like to point them out to you. So the first thing I want to point out is this word strength. I'm not sure why the English translations pick that word strength. Because every single other place in the Bible where that word is used, it's translated as fortress or refuge. It's a place where you go to for safety. So the better nuance might be along the lines of, for the joy of the Lord is your refuge, is your fortress. It's the place where you go for safety. That's where we turn to God. And maybe even more important than that um, is this phrase, the joy of the Lord. Now, is this talking about us being happy and joyful in God's love? Or is it the Lord uh, rejoicing and being joyful in you? Well... This is a possessive, so that means that it's talking about the Lord's joy for you. God is like a proud father when he sees you. He's so excited to see you. He doesn't see any sin or any of your faults. Instead, he rejoices over you. The Lord has joy for you. But how is this possible? Because we just pointed out the, the law, the law that points out all of our sins. So how can the Lord be joyful in us? Well, a simple answer would be, of Jesus. Even though we couldn't keep all the commands, God sent his son and he came to this world and he did. And he died on the cross in our place so that when God sees us, he sees his perfect child and he has joy. He has joy in you knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing that in his eyes you have never done anything wrong and he will welcome you to his home in heaven. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They now knew that the worship services were about joy. They knew that this was a celebration service because of what God has done for them. And that leads to our third point for the day. Church services should be joyful. Church services should center around the fact that God is joyful in you, that God is celebrating you, that God is proud to see you because you are holy in his sight. So then, in our worship services, we will reflect that joy. We, I want every single person that comes into this room to leave knowing that their sins are forgiven in Jesus' name, that you have a home in heaven. And as you leave, that's something to rejoice about. That's something to be glad in because of what God has done for us. And that reminds me of the church where I served as a vicar. 
Uh, it's kind of like a vicar is like an intern pastor. So I was in Toronto, Canada, and this was um, my last church that I was at. It's called Cross of Life, and you kind of see in the corner here, um, their catchphrase was more joy than guilt. So our, our catchphrase, sharing Jesus with all ages and nations, there was, theirs was more joy than guilt. And as an intern pastor, I had some intern-like jobs, and one of those jobs was to set up the signs every single weekend. Uh, because we didn't have our church building, we worshipped in a middle school, so we needed to set up signs in front of the middle school every weekend to say, hey, this is where we worship. And if you know anything about Canadian winters, it's not that much fun to go out there and like set up these signs. So I was kind of a brat about it, and I would complain about like doing this intern-type job. But that all changed one day when one woman came to church. And she was a guest there, and I said, oh, how do you find out about us? Um, and she said, I saw your sign. I saw your sign and saw that it said, more joy than guilt. And that sounds like a good place for me to be. And I don't know your backgrounds. There are so many of us here with different church backgrounds. I don't know if you've ever been part of a church where they lay down the law and make you feel guilty the whole service. But I pray that Holy Trinity is a place of joy. I pray that when you come to Holy Trinity, you leave being full of joy, knowing that we have a God rejoicing over us. Maybe it's your conscience that tells you that after that thing that you did wrong, you shouldn't have any joy. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. There are many different ways we can answer the question of what our worship services should be. But I pray that not only today, not only five years from now, not ten years from now, however long Holy Trinity exists, I pray that our worship services focus on God's word. And that from God's word, the, the motives of our hearts are exposed. And yes, we need to hear the law. But we didn't come here to hear the law. We came here to hear the good news about Jesus. What he did for us, how he died for us, how he brought us a home in heaven. And that's going to give us joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Please stand.